is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 579, recorded Thursday, March 31st, 2022. It is the last day of March, everybody. Welcome to the program. And I mean, by the time you hear this, it's going to be April Fool's Day. So happy April Fool's Day. Happy April 1st to everyone. From a couple of April Fools like you and I. Uh, more of a February Fool. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. I'm, a, I'm an every month fool. Yeah. Uh, I do not have any sort of April Fool's joke or prank or anything like that to play, so do not expect that at any point during the podcast. Yeah, I find it kind of boring, so I've never really been an April Fool's kind of guy. Well, that's fine, but I, I have done the odd thing in the past, I think, anyways, but, you know, there's not going to be anything weird happening this podcast. Okay. And I feel like me saying that now people are going to expect something weird to happen. You, you can't win, Chris. Just, no. Just give up. No. <laughs> yeah. Just the harder you protest, the more people will expect the opposite. Right. Okay. Well, I'm definitely not going to fire Jason from the podcast later on. Yeah, fire. <laughs> oh, no, the loss of income. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, anyways, that is it. It's April Fool's Day tomorrow, or right now, if you're listening. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. Be careful what you read on the internet tomorrow, people. It probably isn't true. Or three years ago. You know, there's no, this is asynchronous, right? People don't need to listen today or tomorrow or the next day. It's, you know, it could be years down the road that you're hearing this. You know what? Always be skeptical, skeptical of what you read on the internet. That's probably just a good policy. Yeah, for or sure. Here, or here anywhere for that matter. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, there's another thing I want to mention before we dive into the feedback here today. And that it's a little bit sad news. Oh no. I mean, it's a little bit happy news, but it's also a little bit sad oh, news. Oh no. Oh well, the news is that The Walking Dead, Jason, has officially wrapped filming oh. on the series finale. So they're done. They have shot everything they're going to shoot. Wow. It's now in the hands of the editor and director. Well, I mean, mostly the editor, I guess, and everybody else involved in post-production, but they're done. They're done filming. I can hardly believe it. Holy moly. I mean- Holy moly. Yeah. Moly, holy. We are- we are inching closer and closer to the f big finish for this uh -huh. whole thing that we've been sitting here talking about for 12 years. And it's crazy. I'm having a hard time believing it. It's a little disbeliefingness elated. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I, it's, uh, I'm a little bit of in shock, but you know, I'm sure it'll, uh, it'll sink in. It, it will sink in. It's really going to hit me probably when we get into the uh, third half of the season in the fall. Yeah. Uh, but we're not even done the second half yet. So I just wanted to let everyone know that they've done filming. There's a bunch of stuff tweeted, you know, Nick Otero and, and uh, Norman Reedus tweeted out some stuff and so on and so on. So not and, spoilers, I hope. They're no, not tweeting spoilers. No, just like about the last day, you know, and how they're feeling and so on. Everyone's like me, probably kind of happy and a little bit sad at the same time. So that's it. 
we will see what they ended up filming sometime in the fall. But for now, it's listener feedback time for The Rotten Core, which is episode 14 out of uh, 24 for this season. And it was watched by 1.55 million people, which is that's a drop down. again. Yeah. yeah. So that's it. 1.55 million. Man, people are fickle. Aren't they? It's just all over the place with the yeah. watching. You never know what people are going to do because they're fickle. They sure are. All right. Well, with that all out of the way, let's get into our listener feedback. Okay. Listener feedback. Email number one tonight comes from Dan in Durant, Iowa. And Dan writes, I thought this episode sucked. All the nitpicks you guys addressed, plus the ones I mentioned here, were just too much for me to think this was well done. So let me get this straight. Toby pushes people off the roof and they fall to their death. Then Toby is shot and falls off the roof, but doesn't die. Then Daryl takes off Walker resistant armor to fight walkers, but doesn't die. April puts on Walker resistant armor to move past walkers, but dies. <laughs> hmm. Couple of, uh, you know, interesting occurrences there. I don't know if I'd call them contradictions, but... Uh, it's all one, very ironical. It is. In one case, uh, you know, people fall off and they're toast. Another guy gets shot, falls off, and he's, I'm not going to say just fine, but he's not dead. Yeah, well, maybe Toby would have died if they had, uh, if he'd, he'd lie in the, lay there for a while. Like the other people, some of them may have died instantly. Other people might have lived a little while longer, but then eventually died. Uh, so, you know, maybe it's a, you know, a critical injury mm-hmm. that he sustained. And plus he was shot. Uh, and, you know, you know, wear armor, don't wear armor. I'm thinking about, uh, you know, Daryl uh, and April. So Daryl takes off his armor. He's fine. Mm-hmm. April puts on the armor. She's not fine. Uh, you know, you got to take, uh, you got to take chance into, uh, into account. Right. So maybe, and you also have to take skill into it. Right. Cause I'm, you're, you're I'm thinking Thacko. You know what Thacko is? I do not. They, they don't even use it anymore. It's D and D. It's to hit armor class zero. So ah. it's Thacko and it's armor class, right? So Daryl is so good yeah. that he takes off his armor, and his armor class is still enough to survive. Whereas April is so bad, it doesn't matter what armor she wears, she is going to get killed, right? Because she can't dodge. Uh, she can't dodge weapons and stuff. So, you know, maybe you know Daryl's much higher higher level than uh, than April. So. You know, that kind of kind of stands to reason. The armor is good and everything, but it all depends on the wearer as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was thinking the same thing. Comes down to ability, to a big degree yeah. anyways. And we don't you know give, anything uh, about April. You give April a crossbow, and she probably couldn't hit the side of a barn, but you put, uh, put a crossbow in Daryl's hands, and he's surgical with that son of a bitch. Right, yeah, and he's got lots of other skills too. He could take out a splinter. With a with a crossbow bolt, I bet. Wow! It's like, oh, I got a splinter in my finger. It's like, okay, hold on a second. Good junk. It's like, you know, the splinter comes out. <laughs> hold your finger up for me. You'll you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and remember, the people that were sent in to get that money before Daryl and uh, Rosita were a lot of people who were maybe down on their luck a little bit and had some issues at the Commonwealth. So they weren't necessarily fighters and and police or military like. Rosita and, and Daryl have become, you know, they could have just been regular people who, like Lance said, made a mistake or 
for whatever reason, were sort of out of the good graces of the Commonwealth. So they're sent into this situation, which is not a very nice, um, you know, mindset to be in when you're going into something like this. And if they don't know what they're doing, it's pretty likely that they're going to get into trouble. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. All right. Well, thank you, Dan and Durant, for that. All right. Next, we have email number two, uh, Lewis in Norwich, UK. What the hell is going on with those folks Carlson pushed off the roof? The episode opens on their twitching fingers, and then when Toby hits the deck, see, seemingly hours later, they're still just lying there. Uh, or did I miss something? I know the reanimation time has been, shall we be generous and say flexible over the seasons, not to mention World Beyond's post credit stinger, further muddying the waters, but these are our, uh, these are our first lazy zombies. Uh, were they just going to lay there all day until lunch fell from the sky? Well, I don't want to get into the World Beyond thing right now, just in case people haven't seen that. But what he's saying is those people fell off the roof, died, yeah. and became zombies and just lay there and, uh, uh, and until until Toby fell and landed. And then they're like, oh, something to eat, you know? But I think it goes back to the origins of The Walking Dead a little bit, where we had roamers and lurkers, right? Yeah, but the lurkers, uh, you know, they were uh, devoid of all, uh, you know, uh, sensory input, right? They were just kind of like they got, they had no food, they had nothing to do, there were no other, really any other uh, zombies around, and they just kind of didn't have any sensory input, so they just stopped moving. Mm-hmm. Whereas these guys have other zombies, uh, you know, fingers twitching around them yeah. and stuff, so I don't think they instantly became lurkers. Yeah. I I mean, I was thinking lurkers are the ones, you're right. It's about no input and they just kind of stop moving or just sit there. Right. Um, or, or is it the case that they need something attracting them that that's attractive to them and other zombies are not, but then again, there's gunfire going off in this place. there's There's lots going on. There's CGI deer running around. Like there's things that would attract them. So yeah, I think it's a little convenient that they just had to lie there for a while and, like Lewis says, wait for lunch to fall from the sky. Yeah, it's like me and sleeping, you know? Uh, as long as I'm moving or talking, uh, everything is fine. But as soon as I stop moving and stop talking, I fall asleep. Like every time? <laughs> like every time. If I'm if I you know, I'm either moving or, and talking or I'm sleeping because... If I, if I have a chance to just sit back, it doesn't even matter what the hell's going on around me. Like the the TV could be blaring and Jasper could be running around like a crazy person. My wife could be yelling at me. Are you sleeping? It does not matter. I just fall asleep. Well, that's, I mean, in the wrong circumstance, that's bad, but sometimes that's okay. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. You you remember, you you remember that we talked about this briefly, uh, just recently, the, the time I fell asleep in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were watching a movie. Uh, that was an aberrant situation where, you know, normally I couldn't fall asleep sitting up. Now I got no problems. Oh, no really? problems at all. And it has to do with, uh, it has to do with Jasper because, you know, holding him uh, in the chair, uh, in his, his rocking chair when he was a baby and stuff, I just fucking nod right off. <laughs> uh, so I've learned to uh, fall asleep quite easily sitting up. Not an issue now. Sure. Okay. Well, you've, you've, He's trained you to do it. That's uh, that's pretty good. That that movie theater incident was what more than 10, 12, 15 yeah, years ago. A long time ago, yeah. Long, long time ago, yeah. But yeah. I do recall. And as soon as I cuddle up with Jasper, it just makes me so sleepy. Yeah. As soon as he snuggles in, I'm like, I'm 
out. He's warm, you know. He's I'm warm. Sure. He's cuddly. <laughs> it's I don't know. He's just he just makes me want to fall asleep. All right. Maybe he's boring. <laughs> no, he's not boring. It's when he cuddles in. All right. Uh, well, that's Jason's sleeping habits. And yeah. Glad we got that out of the way. Let's move on to our first call of the evening. This comes from Chris. Hey, guys, what's happening? This is Chris from San Diego. And here are my thoughts of the most recent episode of The Walking Dead. We do know the Commonwealth Army or soldiers like to wear this uh, uniform. They call it the foam armor, like you guys like to call it. Well, we did find out that the foam armor does no good against zombies from eating you alive. In fact, we saw two characters on the show, both get eaten alive, both wearing full armor suits. Huh, so what is that good for? But we did find out that the armor is good for falling off buildings. Uh, Toby fell off the building, and he was just fine. Yeah, a little bruised, but he didn't die. And I thought that was pretty cool how he threw everybody off the building. They died, turned into zombies, and they turned around and ate him alive. I think it's the only universe anywhere where you can physically kill somebody and then they can turn around and kill you. So anyways, keep up the good work and I hope to hear from you guys soon. Thanks, Chris. So I think we're just looking at the armor the wrong way. It's designed for falling off buildings, not protecting against teeth and fingers and stuff. Right. It's, it's uh, motorcycle armor. Like that's, oh, you yeah. know, you, it's the, those, those jackets that you wear on the motorcycles to protect you from uh, road rash and such. Yeah. But uh, they probably wouldn't stop a bullet. Right, because they're not meant to. They're not designed to. So maybe this armor is foam on purpose not to stop zombie bites or bullets or knives or anything dangerous except for fall damage. So it's soft because it's made out of foam, and therefore when you fall, it's nice and cushy. Right, it cushions the blow a little. Yeah, well, they should make the armor out of pillows and uh, blankets and and, and, (laughs) and stuff like that. Pillow armor, I like it. Well, they also, uh, they have, uh, uh, I think it's new, but they have like airbags, motorcycle airbags, mm-hmm. where you wear it as a, as a jacket and it, it detects if you're falling, uh, it inflates and protects your neck and it goes all over your head and yeah. your, around your hips and stuff, uh, to protect you. So that would be handy too. So as soon as it detects that you have, uh, you know, you're no longer upright and you've fallen, it will, uh, inflate and protect you. I think people have proposed something similar for uh, like bicycle helmets. Like mm-hmm. you can, an air airbag will pump out of the bicycle helmet. I've never really known if that's real or not, but it sounds like it is. Yeah, it's coming. I don't think it's quite, uh, you know, commercial ready, but the uh, the prototypes are out there. I mean, I can imagine that being annoying if it goes off by accident while you're trying to ride your bike and suddenly your head is engulfed in a airbag. I, I guess they got to, maybe that's what they're perfecting. Yeah. Well, sooner or later, we'll get the Star Trek kind of thing. Instead of airbags in cars, we have transporters, right? As soon as it detects a, uh, you know, an accident of some kind, uh, it immediately transports you back to your house. Oh, perfect. You're just riding along, you're just speeding along at the, you know, 700 miles an hour because who gives a fuck if you're uh, uh, going to immediately be transported <laughs> out and you smash into a wall and all of a sudden you're sitting in your chair and you're like, ah, oh, shit, I guess I'm going to take a nap. In your case, maybe, yeah. In my case, I was like, man, that was close. Better sleep. <laughs> that, was, that sure was close. I'm, I should have watched where I was walking. I just fell right off that cliff. Here I am so, at home. Yeah, we're looking at the armor all wrong. It's it's foam armor on purpose. It's it's to protect you. Maybe it's Maybe the armor is not to protect you at all, but is there to make you comfortable so that you can fall asleep easy. Ah, 
on those sleepy armor on the long drives to places like Riverbend, which yeah. you're going to take over. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy armor. Good stuff. Doesn't doesn't make any sense whatsoever. All right, next we have a call from Paul. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Paul in England again. You've been asking over the last couple of weeks what the time scale might be between, you know, Negan leaving the group and now having a wife and an expectant child. Um, If you remember back to, I think, the first episode of this part B of the season, the very last scene we had when it said six months later when uh, Daryl and the other stormtroopers turned up at Hilltop. So I would guess we're just about before that scene happens now, so around about six months has passed. I can't really pinpoint an exact moment when this time jump happened. I mean, it seems like we've been watching a fairly linear story, but yeah, that's that's what I reckon we're at. Um, I also just wanted to quickly say I'm really happy that you guys gave a bit of attention to Diane in what may have been her last scene a couple of weeks ago because... You know, she's always been one of those characters where whenever she's popped up, I've I've just kind of thought, oh, hey, it's that blonde chick from uh, Kingdom, the archer who kind of like never really has any storyline, but is just sort of there. I think she's probably my second best background character in terms of favourites. And um, if you're wondering who my first favourite background character, that would be the Orange Backpack. RIP, buddy, we miss you. All right, thank you so much for that, Paul. Uh, yeah, Diane, I, I, I had, I just had this feeling that her leaving and saying goodbye like that was right. it for that character, and and it's not a, it's not a, an accident that she was saying goodbye to somebody. Yeah, it was a very tearful goodbye. Right, and so you know maybe she'll show up in the Commonwealth or something like that in the third part of the season. I don't know, but doesn't feel like it. You think uh, the orange backpack is going to show up for a finale? Oh God, I hope so. I mean, that's and, and then he'll get a series wrap. This has been a series wrap for Orange Backpack. Give him a round of applause, everybody. Yeah, I mean, maybe Orange Backpack will be killed off, and he'll get one of those death dinners that all the the characters get. You know, he'll yeah, Scott yeah, Gimple yeah. will give him a call and say, you know, I'm I'm sorry, Orange Backpack. Your your final episode is going to be episode twenty two, and uh, you know, prepare yourself. Here's your last script. Mm-hmm. It involves lying on the ground, or maybe maybe he'll be propped up against a pole. That would be nice. That'd be a nice way to go. Yeah, I think. I think so. Um, what else was Paul saying? He was talking about the uh, timeline a little bit, and I think he's probably right. I think we are approaching that six months later now, right? Because we saw yeah. that, and then we went back in time, and now we haven't really caught up to that. So, my feeling is episode 16 which will be the last one of this block will bring us to that point or or maybe just past it kind of thing if we're gonna get to it maybe next week yeah so six months is plenty of time for negan to leave find a new group get married and impregnate his new wife yeah and yeah plenty of time plenty of time long to impregnate somebody i mean it can but it doesn't always well yeah sometimes it takes forever uh, and it's a very difficult process, but other times you basically look at somebody and they, boom, they're pregnant. Right. And it, it is Negan. So I feel like he'd be in the latter category maybe. Yeah. He just, uh, yeah, he just needs to, uh, smile warmly at a, uh, a group of people and, uh, <laughs> probably 30% of them will be pregnant by the end of it. Wow. That's uh that is a, uh, talent I don't think I'd want. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's got the Midas touch. He sure does. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Paul, for that. 
let's keep going here with Dan in New Jersey. Hi, guys. Uh, this is Dan in New Jersey. I'm giving feedback for Season 11, Episode 14. Um, I will say that as far as conversation about some of the stuff that happened in this episode, the title tells us this is the rotten core. We are seeing what's really going on. There were a lot of hints. It was pretty clear to me to, you know, when you're watching this, that they're trying to tell us this society is really broken and corrupt. But, uh, what, one example, those two guys that, uh, told Mercer, they don't answer him, answer to him. They told him that because it's true. Their supposed ordered society with its military hierarchy, it's a farce. You only have to follow those rules if you aren't one of the people who's plugged into someone powerful. If you're connected with someone powerful, you can do whatever you want. And you can even tell the person who's supposed to be in charge, you're not in charge. Because he's not. We've seen it. We've seen Sebastian yell at Mercer. Um Sebastian owns those guys. They can thumb their noses at Mercer, even though he's supposed to be in charge of them. They also, you know, with the whole thing where Mercer said he would carry the money in because he wouldn't be searched. Those two guys, they probably wouldn't be searched either. I bet whoever the gate guards are that would do the searching know those two guys belong to Sebastian, so don't mess with them. Um, everything we see about the Commonwealth is just a pretty wrapping around something diseased and rotten and corrupt. So... Now we're starting to see it, uh, as if it wasn't pretty obvious with all the <laughs> indications about how uh, pathological this society was. Anyway, I uh, love the podcast. Uh, looking forward to the final half of third half of this season. And uh, I guess the season, the, this sub-season finisher. <laughs> see you guys. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. Nobody knows how to talk about it. We have a sub-season finisher and the big finale after the third half. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes sense to me, but I get it that it's a little confusing based on what we've been used to all these years. Yeah, it's a little weird, but uh, ah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah, we'll be there for it no matter what. Uh, the Commonwealth, Jason, it's pretty corrupt, and that's what we were seeing in this episode. It, it doesn't matter... Who you report to or work for or whatever, um, you can be owned, bought, and, you know, controlled by anyone with power or status or money in this society. And that feels like a pretty corrupt center to this whole operation. It uh, it's kind, of, kind of reminds me of my family. As long as you, uh, like, nobody's really in charge. Out of the three of us, it's all a matter of uh, what's going on at the time and what you have that the other person wants. Right? Okay. So it's it's all very corrupt. It's just like, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's all a matter of who you know and what you want <laughs> and what the other person has. I see. And whether they're asleep or awake. <laughs> yeah, whether they're asleep or awake. Uh, you know, being asleep, uh, you know, <laughs> is really nice for a, a lot of, a lot of, in a lot of times. Sure. Nice I mean, for me when I'm asleep. Nice for it's nice for me when Jasper's asleep. Uh huh. Uh, it's not so great when Jenny's sleeping, but we'll, we deal with it. Yeah, of course. She she needs to sleep once in a while, Jason. So you got to let her now and again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing is, though, sure, it's super corrupt, but like, don't forget, Mercer, like he just straight up murdered those dudes, shot right in the head each of them after uh, after the one said, you know, we don't report to you, kind of deal where. Clearly, they're supposed to be reporting to him. So well, maybe that's why he shot him. Well, yeah, but I mean, you would think, I mean, 
in real society, there are procedures and, uh, you know, consequences for that kind of thing that aren't death, instant death. You don't shoot people for insubordination? I mean, uh, should I be? I don't think I should be. <laughs> no. No. I, I, don't, I don't really have any power and therefore nobody can be insubordinate for me. Okay. Right. So if anybody, no matter what they say, no matter what they do, uh, it's just like, yeah, it's fine. I'm not your manager. I can't do anything about that. We just have to deal with it. Yeah. So, well. but in, uh, in, you know, when you're in a, uh, in the military and you're on, uh, some kind of exercise, insubordination is punishable by death. You can't just murder a dude. Like, well, maybe, uh, yeah, I don't know. No, like if I'm a soldier and I disobey orders, there are procedures to deal with that. The first one is not shot in the head. Yeah. Well, yes. Right. I, I don't know. I, you know, in, uh, in certain other times in the past, maybe uh, that would be fine. Not okay. now. Not now. No, There's not too many, now. Too many cameras now. Oh, yeah, fine. But uh, maybe in the dark ages, but like, I don't know, maybe the Commonwealth is operating in that sort of window of, of time. They've, they've gone back to that sort of thing. I mean, you know, I'm only talking about this semi-seriously. Like, obviously, this is a, a, a fictional show and people get murdered all the time. But, you know, it, it certainly illustrates the corruption and brutality on display here when somebody says, I don't work for you anymore, and you, you kill them. Yeah. And it's indicative of the Commonwealth, like uh, what Dan was saying, you know, horribly corrupt organization. And that's what this episode was really showing us. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Next, we have an email from Trucker Tom on the road. I am rather confused by Chris's confusion over the whole Sebastian part of the episode. It was crystal clear to me from the start. Pamela is a dictator with total power over the Commonwealth. Her son is a pam pampered, entitled, I-can-do-no-wrong dirtbag that has run, run roughshod over everyone without consequences. The two soldiers, while undoubtedly technically under Mercer's command, are Sebastian's henchmen doing his dirty work and under his protection. Uh, clearly, from uh, his huh and shrug reaction to their... Uh, not making it out, apparently they overestimated the degree of concern their benefactor had for them, thus saying, we don't take orders from you to murder. Right. So that all makes quite a bit of sense and basically is what we've been talking about here, right? It's these guys were working for Sebastian. They thought this was a great idea, a good thing. They didn't think that it would result in anything serious. They're simply working for who they think is going to take care of them or, you know, give them the best opportunity for whatever they, they're yeah. looking to do in the Commonwealth. Yeah. And they don't take orders from Mercer, but now they don't take orders from anybody. So sucks to be those guys. Does. So there you go. Thanks, Tom. Like it all does make sense now that you guys have laid that out and I've kind of had a minute to, to think about it. Um, so thank you guys for that. All right, Ryan in Massachusetts writes, I am convinced that Sebastian is the most unlikable character in the history of this show. The Walking Dead has definitely had its fair share of unlikable characters, but I truly believe this guy is on another level. Every scene he's in, he's a bigger jerk than he was in the scene before. In 11 seasons, there has not been a single character more repulsive than Sebastian. I uh, love the podcast and happy April Fool's Day. Yes, happy April Fool's Day, Ryan. 
You so know, <laughs> playing such a hated character is so dangerous uh-huh. these days. To be completely and utterly despised by everybody who sets eyes on you uh, could be detrimental to your acting career. Yeah. Because, you know, we learned that from Joffrey, the guy who played Joffrey, and, uh, uh, well, even the guy who play, played Anakin, uh, young Anakin. Uh, you know, he wasn't, well, I guess he was the bad guy. Anakin was the bad guy in Star Wars, isn't he? I mean, the kid uh, who played young, the first young youngest Anakin, I mean, I don't know if you'd call him the bad guy, but... But, but Anakin is the bad guy. Well... You know, he's Darth Vader. He's the bad guy. Yeah. yeah? Fair enough. Fair enough. Jake Lloyd, I think, was that kid's name, and yeah. yeah, people didn't like him very much. They didn't maybe like the performance, but I think that was just people having a distaste for the movie in general and kind of putting it on him, which isn't really fair, to be honest. I mean, there were a lot of problems with yeah. those prequels beyond just Jake Lloyd and what he was doing on screen. Yeah, nobody hated the little girl in uh, Aliens as much, and she was much worse than Jake Lloyd was in uh, uh, in Star Wars. But in a better movie, you see. In a, in a better movie. That's what yeah. I'm saying, is yeah. that uh, she was you know, a much worse actress in a better movie, and she didn't get the revile that, uh, uh, that, that he got. Anyway. Sure. Uh, you know, just Sebastian, I agree that he is a uh, an unmitigated dirtbag that uh, deserves every bad thing that'll ever happen to him. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully he gets his comeuppance. It's not real. People in real life, no matter how much of a dirtbag they are, do not necessarily get their comeuppance. No, not usually. But in TV world, you know, when you get a character like this, I mean, I guess I can't say universally, but... I feel like they generally do. They have to, yeah. Yeah. Because we want to feel like the bad guy gets their comeuppance. Right. We want to think that that's reality, that, oh, sure, they're a shithead and they're the worst human being that ever lived, but, uh, you know, it'll come back to haunt them someday. Yeah. No, it doesn't work that way. No, but that's why we watch TV for those sorts of escapist things, right? And you could be the nicest guy in the world. The nicest person that ever lived, uh-huh. who is likable by absolutely everyone, and the worst things will happen to you, and you could just never catch a break. No, I, I completely agree. The world is unfair. Reality fucking sucks. <laughs> it just friggin' is unmitigated bullshit uh, all over. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I mean, not 100% <laughs> of the time, but definitely some of the time. Yeah, yeah. generally speaking, I think it's uh, it's pretty bad. You know, I do think, though, it's funny. When I read Ryan's email about Sebastian being the most unlikable character in the history of the show, I'm like, okay, we've had the Saviors, the Whisperers, the Wolves, the Termites, the Claimers. That's the guy who Rick bit his ear off, remember? Yeah. Uh, and more, you know, more other bad guys. And some well-dressed, rich little shithead is the most unlikable character we've ever seen. Well, well-dressed, rich shithead uh, seems to be pretty, yeah, it's, it's, you're setting him up to be unlikable. Sure. But do you know what it is? I think I may have figured it out. I think he's the closest thing to a, a real life analog that we, we have, have got. Cause I know rich little shitheads in real life. There's lots of them. And, uh, yep. some of them are pretty unlikable. So people watch this guy and are like, oh my God, I, I my neighbor's like that. And he's a dick. This is, I hate this guy. Right. <laughs> yeah. You don't often find those people in real life that are cannibals or, uh, 
whisperers or the wolves, you know, you don't find those a lot in real life and they're pretty unlikable, but it's hard to relate to them in that way. Oh man. I wonder if I've ever met a cannibal. Who knows? I mean, you never know, right? There's uh there's a lot of different people out there that do a lot of different things and some of them eat other people. Have I met a person that eats other people? You never know. I, I really hope, you know, uh, when I die, what I want is, uh, I want about half an hour worth of stats of what happened in my life. How many steps I took? Uh, did I ever meet a cannibal? Yeah. Uh, how close have I come to death in the past? Have I been the cause of somebody else's death that I had no idea? Uh, you know, how many people that, uh, how, how many people that I really, really liked that liked me back that nothing ever came up? Sure. You know, how many miles of poop did I have? <laughs> how many miles? Like I was thinking, you know, how much time spent in the bathroom, but your, <laughs> your number's more interesting. Well, you know, I'm sure you can't count it in feet. So, <laughs> right? Sure. Uh, yeah, I probably not. <laughs> anyway, I'd be interested to, to read some stats about my life before I, I go to the great beyond. I, I do really hope that uh, all of this is being logged somehow. And I'll be able to analyze it in my afterlife. How many heartbeats? You know, every li every human life has a finite number of heartbeats. Yeah. You know, what's that number? What, what was my number? Some people believe that's determined from the beginning and it's just going to happen. And that's it. Once you hit your number, you're done. Yeah. Well, that, that's it. Well, I, yeah. Okay. It has, it has to do with destiny and fate, right? So everybody has a fate, mm -hmm. but the fate is not necessarily preordained. But you have a fate. You you have, you know, ultimately you're going to end up somewhere. Yep. Right? You're going to end up and it's going to be the end of you and that'll be somewhere. That's your fate. Mm -hmm. But it's not preordained. It just happens to be what's going to happen to you. Sure. Well, so. I uh, I agree with you. Well, this took a turn. Sure All right, did. So next we have an email from Jen in California. What I love about Negan is how he did arguably the worst thing in the whole show by killing Glenn, and yet he has become the most redeeming character. He's become a family man, he doesn't need to be in charge, and he's looking out for the group and not just himself. I can't think of a better villain turned victor that I've loved more. The only thing I didn't quite get is what Negan meant when he told Herschel to come find him in a few years and they'll settle their, settle their issue. Like, is he inviting Herschel to come and kill him in a few years? What do you guys take away from this scene? I mean, that's kind of what he's doing. Uh, but he's saying, he's telling Herschel, you need to grow up a little bit. You need to mature. You need to make sure you understand everything. And if you're still upset, come find me and do what you need to do. Yeah. And this is why, uh, this is why... Oh, the Godfather moved to America from Sicily is that, uh, in the movie, because there was all kinds of vendettas and, uh, somebody killed his father and they were going to kill him because, uh, eventually he'd grow up and want to get revenge. So they were going to kill him. So they sent to America. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. And of course, like you said the other night, it's reminiscent of the scene in Kill Bill where, uh, yeah. something similar happens. She kills a kid's mother and then tells her once you've dealt with this and you're a little bit older, come find me. And yeah, if you're, if, when you get older and you still feel raw, come find me and we'll have it out. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what's going on. I mean, is that ever going to be depicted on this show? Probably not this show, but you never know on other shows. There are other shows. There are that other this shows. This might become a factor. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we'll find out. I don't know. I actually wouldn't mind seeing that. That's That sounds like a fun scene or episode or, you know, block of episodes for all we know. Or the entire premise of a television show. Yeah, totally. <sighs> Herschel. For whatever. Herschel is now 24 years old and he's on his own and he's scouring the land looking for the man who killed his father who took off uh, at some point and never turned, never looked back. You know? Okay, so you know, you know, we've been pretty careful about uh, potential spoilers. We're talking about the uh, the spinoff show. Am I okay coming up with a theory? Well, later on in this podcast, Jason, we have a, a, some calls and messages from listeners about the spinoff shows, particularly. Okay, and all is revealed in those calls. I was going to put a spoiler warning um, before them. Um. So I don't know if you want to, if you want to talk about it right now, you can, but let's just tell everyone that, you know. Well, it's not spoiler because it's just speculation. Like originally we thought, I thought that, uh, well, we thought, or I thought at least that it was going to be, uh, Maggie and Negan going off and doing shit. Right? right. But what if it's Maggie and Glenn looking for Negan? Right, it's not really friendly. Maggie and Negan going and doing stuff together. It's uh, Maggie and Glenn pursuing you mean, Negan. You mean Herschel, little Herschel, uh, not Glenn. Glenn, whatever Herschel. Uh, <laughs> yes. Well, you you're you're saying Glenn doesn't come back? I'm pretty sure he doesn't come back. <laughs> are you sure the ghost of Glenn? We've had television shows where you know main characters are ghosts. All right. Well, I'm not I'm talking sure. Dexter, I'm talking Six Feet Under. Yeah. Anyway, yes, I do mean Herschel. All right. Uh, so Maggie and Herschel are pursuing Negan and they're after him to kill him. I mean, that'd be fun. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. It's a show starring Maggie and Negan. Yeah, that's very right? true. But they don't have to be partners in crime. No, they don't even have to share much screen time if they're in different places, you know. Yep. It might be hard to do that, but it's an interesting idea for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you, Jen, for that. Next is Nathan in Sydney, Australia. He says, the way Negan said, hey, kiddo, when seeing Lydia made my heart melt a little bit. Also thought it was funny when Negan's new partner was saying that Negan should stay with the group because they need someone they trust protecting them. And Maggie got a super irritated look on her face. I could feel the eye roll. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, kiddo is funny because uh, in Kill Bill, isn't her last name kiddo? Whose? Um, the, the bride's real name. No, we never find out her real name. She's just the bride. So who am I thinking of? Someone is named Kiddo in that movie, isn't it? I thought that I was know. sort of another reference to that in this uh, in this episode. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. I, I don't know. Anyways, Negan made Nathan's heart melt. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> you know, I was, uh, since Monday, yeah. <laughs> since we talked on Monday, yes. uh, I've started re-watching um, uh, Ozark. Oh, nice. Because uh, that has a new season that I haven't seen yet. And as we all know, I got all the way through Better Call Saul. So I'm ready for uh, Better Call Saul, uh, the new season for that. But then, so I started watching Ozark from the beginning and it has uh, Carlson in it, right? Okay. He's the main FBI agent that's after them in the first two seasons. Yeah, that's right. Right. So, and uh, Lydia, the actress who plays Lydia is also in it. For one scene. Oh, cool. She is someone that befriends the the daughter uh, of uh, Jason Bateman when uh, she, the daughter, I forget her name, uh, she's working at the uh, yep. 
uh, you know, pumping gas for the boats. Yeah. And, uh, uh, another, another girl comes up and talks to her and it's Lydia. Oh, nice. That's fun. Uh, and listen, I'm not wrong. The bride's real name is Beatrix Kiddo. I knew that was a thing. Yeah. And Beatrix. Yeah. Beatrix Kiddo, the bride, Black Mamba. I, I looked it up. Good, good looking up skills. Thanks, man. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think that, uh, that she had a name. Yeah, no, she, cool. she's got a name and somehow I oh, knew it. Oh, in the first one, in the first Kill Bill, they bleeped it out, right? They bleeped out her name because, uh, but in the second movie, they actually, I guess, uh, revealed it. All right. Well, anyways, I have no idea if they were going for that in this episode of The Walking Dead, but the, the similar scene and Hey Kiddo, so not that that's a unique thing, like- Lots of people say that to kids, right? So yeah, I should watch those movies again. Yeah, my it's favorite been a long... part was uh, it was the crazy '88 uh, fight, as well as uh, the five, six, seven, eights. They were my favorite. They were they were the best. Good stuff. Bad, yeah, that band. They were awesome. I haven't watched those movies in a while either. I should put them on. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, what the hell's going on here? Where are we now? Uh, okay, we're in. Uh, next, we have an email from Bev in Brixham. I, I would say Brixham. Brixham. No, I think Brixham. Brixham, UK. Uh, Bev <laughs> writes, uh, Negan now has something very important to lose, a wife and a child. Herschel has grown up with his mother handing out her own forms of justice, so I have a terrible feeling that Herschel will kill Negan's wife and the sorrow of him losing her and Maggie's sorrow at what her son has done will bridge the divide, the divide between them. So... This is a really interesting theory, I thought, from Bev in Brixham, UK. Uh, You know, Herschel didn't kill Negan, but what if Herschel does take out Annie? And, you know, that's going to upset Negan quite a bit. He's going to be definitely depressed about that. And Maggie's going to have to look at her son and go, he just straight up murdered this woman who did nothing wrong, really, that we know of, at least not to them. And that's going to upset her a bit because she's going to realize, my God, what has my child turned into? I mean, to be fair, he's living in a zombie apocalypse. And like Bev said, has probably seen his mom do all kinds of crazy, terrible things. Uh, But what if that sort of combined sorrow between Negan for losing his wife and Maggie for turning her son into a monster is what brings them together. I don't know. I don't, it's hard. I don't, I don't it, like it. I don't want it to happen, but well, it, it's not a It's hard theory. to imagine uh, that kind of strife bringing two people together on the opposite sides of it. You know, if my, uh, I can't even, I can't even really talk about it, but, you know, I was trying to compare, you know, your family, my family in this situation, uh, but I, I can't even bring myself to think about it. Yeah. But, you know, if, uh, Herschel kills Negan's wife, an unborn child. The grief that Maggie feels and the at at uh, Herschel doing that, and the grief that uh, Negan feels, and the anger he would feel towards Glenn. I don't see how that Jesus could bring... man Herschel, not Glenn. Fucking hell! <laughs> <laughs> if I didn't have you, I'd be a disaster. Oh, thanks. I'm glad I can provide some service. I'm still a bit of a disaster, but not a total disaster. Okay. So the point I'm getting, trying to get across here without messing up people's names is that uh, that kind of anger that and depression that uh, Maggie and Negan would have, I can't see how that would bring them together. 
uh, unless it's just the 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 act of suffering, right? The fact that they are both suffering something and have no outlet for that. It doesn't really matter what they're suffering over. I, I'm thinking maybe, but but I see your point. Like it's pretty different, and you know, none of those things erase what happened in the past either. You know, uh, Negan still killed Glenn, and Maggie's still upset about that. So I don't know, but. You know, in the land of TV show and movies, uh, we've seen shit like this happen, crazier shit like than this happen, in fact. Um, and I just think it's an interesting thought to have that Bev brings up, because you never know. You never know. Yeah, I don't yeah. see it, but you never know. Right. And I really don't want them to have any sort of, definitely not romantic relationship. Um, if they end up simply tolerating each other, that's kind of the farthest I want it to go, I think. You know, maybe they have to work together to achieve some goal. Maybe, maybe Herschel's gone missing and, mm -hmm. uh, and Maggie and Negan, uh, are banding together to go and find Herschel. I mean, <laughs> I got the name right all twice oh, that I used for, it. Good for you, sir. Good for you. Um, I mean, working, being forced to work together in a way is almost where we are right now. You know, they were forced to work together in this building to get out alive. So are they just going to keep expanding on that? Maybe they will. The show, I mean. Maybe. All right. Thank you, Bev. Next up is Phil in Surrey, UK. I'm probably in the minority on this one, but Maggie needs to stop going at Negan. He has proven his worth time and time again since she's been back, saving her multiple times and now saving her son. Negan radios Maggie and says he has Herschel safe and her reaction is like he's kidnapped him. If he didn't care, he wouldn't have taken the risk to save him in the first place. Then at the end of the episode, she runs over to Herschel asking, what has he told you? What are you worried about, Maggie? Could it be Herschel discovering his dad stabbed people in the head while they slept? Or his dad attacked Negan's group unprovoked at the time? In real life, I wouldn't let Negan slide. But for TV purposes, he's the type of character we need and love. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, Phil says, makes the point that Glenn did some pretty bad stuff too. And maybe, Good. maybe Herschel doesn't know that. Maybe he's not old enough to know that yet. Well, why would Maggie tell him? Really? I get it. Why would she tell him? Um, but maybe, I mean, maybe she would in order to give him perspective on the world that they live in. Some kind of perspective. I don't know, but I don't know. I get it. Maybe Herschel is still a pretty young kid. He doesn't understand a lot of things. It goes back to Negan saying, grow up a little bit, then come back and talk to me. Even, even Negan knows like you aren't old enough to process this yet, but someday you will be. And that's when you should, you know what I mean? So who knows what Herschel knows about anything right now? Who knows? You know, I don't either. But thank you, Phil. Great email. Awesome. Next we have an email from John in Shoeburyness. I think all of our uh, callers are from... The UK, not all, but uh, lots, lots of listeners in the UK. Shoeburyness, yeah, England. Uh, Shoeburyness. That's confusing to me, but that's my fault, not yours. Right. Uh, so John in Shoeburyness, England writes a bit of a nitpicking here, but when Negan and Mega were talking on the walkie talkies, they were interrupting each other. They are push button walkies. So that meant each time they were mid-sentence, they took their finger off the button to allow the other person to speak. You know... It's a thing. Uh, 
you know, walkie-talkies are one-way communication. So, yeah. you know, dual one-way communication. Yes. You can't hear and talk at the same time. Hence, it's not a phone. Hence the over command. So the other person knows when you're done. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's what that's for, isn't it? That's what I always assumed. Yeah. I'm just glad to Skype is a two-way communication because I interrupt you all the time. Can you imagine if I had to wait? What that would be like? That would be relaxing for you almost. Almost. Uh, I don't know. I think you and I do pretty well. I've, I listen to things, many other podcasts where, at least from my perspective, the people are way more interrupty than you and I are. I think we've got it down pretty well, but I'm sure we're not perfect. Uh, I, I, I've rarely used the phrase, listen, shut up for a second and then continue on. I, I you know, I do in my regular, uh, real life, but not on the podcast. Well, that's, that's awfully nice of you, man. Awfully nice of you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Funny walkie talkies. What can you do? It's, um, it's a thing sometimes people on our characters on a show just need to have like a normal conversation and they're not in the same room. So they give them walkie talkies and they just have a normal conversation. It would be much harder to write a walkie-talkie conversation than a phone call. Right. Correct. So, yeah, that single, uh, you know, dual single direction communication uh, would be very difficult. For sure. So I think you just got to let it pass. But hey, good nitpicking, John. I really appreciate it. I love a good uh, picking of nits. Absolutely. Okay, Ryan on the internet writes, Hi, many season listener, first time responder here. I was curious what you thought of Mercer, Daryl, Rosita, Carol, and April walking through the hallway of walkers. I was personally surprised by the lack of gore on them passing through the walker crowd, especially after someone said something along the lines of, let's gore up. Daryl and or Rosita and Carol had black shirts on with literally no blood on their tops. Remember the days when they used to be covered with walker insides to walk past them, like intestines hanging on their shoulders and covered in walker goo. And characters would get sick due to the exposure of the walkers, walker insides. Oh, how it seems the times have changed since those days. Yeah, pretty soon they'd just be wearing a sign that says, uh, I am zombie gore, <laughs> and that will be good enough. <laughs> and that'll be good enough. Yeah, I, I, I honestly see what you're saying, Ryan. And I kind of wish they would have stuck to really gore up. Like if, if this is a thing that's going to work, I think people should have it like in their hair and like covering their faces. Like remember when uh, Nick was on fear, of the walking dead and he went all crazy and he, he, yep. he was walking with the walkers a whole bunch. He like, he had it all over him. Yep. Uh, and even sometimes then I thought, well, that's probably just not enough, but yeah, if they're going to do that, I wish they would kind of stick to the rules a little better because Ryan's right. Uh, Daryl and Rosita were pretty clean. I mean, they were dirty because they live in the zombie apocalypse, but they were pretty clean for what they were doing. Yeah. You know, I understand the, the production value uh, of, uh, you know, the production not wanting to uh, go the full nine yards. Uh, on this stuff and make it as simple as possible. They just need to convey the idea that uh, that this happened. Let's let's maybe we could take it from a an unreliable narrator point of view. Maybe uh, you know they're telling this story afterwards and they talked about yeah I put on zombie gore. So as long as you know we they get across the fact that yeah I put on zombie gore uh, is good enough visually then uh, then the story makes sense. Yeah, the only problem with that though. Jason Miles is that's not what they're doing. 
They're they're no, showing us this story, and I wish they would just go for it. And I, I'm not going to say it's easy. I mean, sure, it's more makeup and it's more, you know, whatever they use. I forget what they use for uh, um, for the zombie guts and things like that. But uh, it's real intestines, right? They they get them from slaughterhouses and stuff. They oh yeah, why not? <laughs> It's got to be real blood and intestines and, uh, you know, guts and livers and things. I mean, if you're going to go, go, go all out. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I, I have a feeling they've used like sausages covered in like some red stuff for when people's are being disemboweled and things like that. But there's probably lots of different things they've done, but just to paint someone red with goop with like blood and goop, I... I'd like them to, to keep it consistent anyways. I, I get it though. You know, Norman Reedus and those guys, they don't want to have that all over themselves all the time. It takes forever to wash off. And they're too pretty. They're too pretty to have uh, their faces obscured by grossness. Yeah. I, I hear you. But it's the same reason Spider-Man takes his mask off all the friggin' time. He's too pretty. He's too pretty to have his mask on every scene of, of the movie. We want to see that pretty face. Yeah. We want to see the pretty face. Alrighty. Uh, thank you, Ryan, for that. Is it your turn now? I believe so. Next, we have a an email from Katie in London, UK. Does <laughs> uh, does does British names are so tough to say? It's London. I know it's tricky. That that or is weird it London? 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 <laughs> yeah, that that O N at the end. I just don't get it. <laughs> All right, I'm just gonna take a stab at this. It's Katie in London, UK. I had to laugh when Carol uh, has her conversation with Lance, and he and she's all smiles. Then she turns and her face drops. My husband said, "Well, he just signed his death warrant." Don't piss off Carol, cause you will die. You will die. That's right. Sometimes you don't even have to piss her off, and you will die. Yeah, you know. Uh, she just, if she wants you dead, you die. It's that simple. Right. Right. She just has to think about it. And maybe she, she has the, the knee in power of impregnating people. She has it for killing people. Yeah. Just look at it. You know, look at people with the stink eye and they just stink die. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I think if, if Lance doesn't make it to the end, which I kind of would be surprised if he did. Maybe it's Kate, uh, not Katie. Uh, Katie in London, UK isn't going to take him out, but Carol probably is. <laughs> it's very <laughs> difficult for a real person to take out a fictional character in a television show while watching. Very difficult. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's not likely. No, no, not likely. All right. Thanks, Katie. Uh, next up, LJ in the Netherlands. LJ writes, Maggie can't be Herschel's mother. <laughs> Did you see her greeting her own son after he showed up spontaneously in an apartment building where a mass murder has just taken place? All she asked him was what Negan said to her, and then she walked away again. Cold. (laughs) I mean, you can be someone's real mom and still be a horrible parent. She's not a great parent, I don't think. Uh, She was going to leave without saying goodbye. And uh, he had to run out and say, where are you going? It's like, fuck off. I'll be back when I'm back. Yeah, as long as it takes. And that's why he jumped in the back of the truck. You know what I was thinking about, though? I was wondering, do you, oh, here's a question. Do you remember way back in, I don't even know what season, but there was a part where there was an altercation uh, involving, I guess, some of the governor's people and Merle um, was there and he kind of sneaks up on them from the side. 
He's sort yeah, of the, the first time we met Merle, right? They landed in the helicopter and then he kind of left to the side and then came around and flanked them. Right. Exactly. He flanked them. There was a helicopter involved. That's right. Uh, and we sort of at originally thought Merle just came out of nowhere. Where was he? What was he doing there? But if you go back and watch, you can actually see as they get out, you can see him way in the background, just go straight across off camera to the side. So it was all there for us. Yep. You just don't know what you're looking at. And I was wondering, did they do something similar here with Herschel after Maggie says goodbye to him and they get in the truck? Do we, is there a little sneaky shot of him hopping in the back or something like that? So I went back and checked. And what do you think I found, Jason? Absolutely nothing. You found jack shit. Almost, but not quite. Because after she says goodbye to him, she... Maggie goes around to the driver's side of the truck. She's going to drive. She opens the back door, I think, the back door, and throws her backpack in. And there, you can very quickly in the back see Herschel. You can tell because he's wearing his little cap. Um, walk off the screen from the viewer's perspective to the left, which is kind of towards the truck. Okay. So it's similar, to be honest. It You don't see him get in. You don't see him make any motion directly at it, but he kind of, he walks off towards the back passenger side. And so I think it's kind of there. I think they, they showed us, you know, a quick hint of maybe he's coming along for the ride instead of turning around and going back towards the building that was in the background. Fun. So there you go. Uh, I like to think that he strapped himself to the underside of the truck. Like he got a couple of belts and uh, kind of uh, strapped himself in there. Yeah. I mean, why would you do it any other way? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and that, uh, you know, there's people that have done that in real life. Uh, there was a, a knocking, I, I, you know, the Darwin Awards. I remember reading about this oh, yeah. as one of the Darwin Awards where uh, this guy uh, was trying to find uh, where this knocking noise was coming from in his truck, but it only started making that noise when it uh, was going pretty fast. Mm -hmm. So what he did was he strapped himself to the underside of the truck and got his buddy to uh, drive the truck uh, at a high speed. Uh, and he got wrapped up in the engine and was killed. Gross. Which is why he won a Darwin Award. And it was, you know, before he had kids. So luckily, Gene's not passed on. No, that's right. I mean, people have done crazy things, right? I, people have tried to hide in the wheel wells of airplanes to smuggle themselves Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, on real thing. flights. Yeah. And I mean, you got to remember that airplanes fly pretty high where there's not a lot of oxygen or heat. Yeah. Uh, but people have survived it. Like some people have died trying that, but people have survived too. That's uh, pretty nuts. I don't recommend it. No. And, but luckily the priest in uh, fifth element, it, it worked for him. I don't recall that. Yeah. Cause he was trying to go to a uh, flossed in paradise, but, uh, he didn't know how to get there, so he crawled into the wheel well of the plane and was able to survive, and he got all the way there. Okay, well, good for him. I mean, it has worked, but not a not shouldn't be your first plan. You know, well, he, he was a hobbit. It was Ian Holm, right, that played that part? I couldn't tell you. Fuck. <laughs> Losing cred, even, my, even in my own mind. Hey, at least I knew uh, Beatrix Kiddo's name. No, you did that right. That was a good, uh, that was some good searching right there because uh, I, I forgot all about that. All righty. Well, that's excellent. Uh, let's keep her going. All right. Next we have uh, an email from Ellie in Brisbane. Can we just take a minute to appreciate the awesome job of the actor who played Herschel Jr.? 
I have been wondering for a while now whether he was going to become more of a feature like Judith. This kid nailed his scene uh, his scene with Negan. First rate stink eye, and then he pulled a gun, thereby proving uh, his place within the ranks of the kick-ass kids carrying on the legacy of the original group. I really enjoyed how they navigated the Negan slash Glenn issue because, again, I was wondering what the hell are we going to do with all these partial stories and unfinished business. Uh, so is the Negan slash Maggie spinoff going to be a time jump where older Herschel goes off looking for revenge, as Negan heavily implied? Well, there you go. That's what you were saying earlier. That is uh, a potential, I think. It is a potential. Maybe that this is where I got the idea. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> I don't know. Through osmosis, I don't know. <laughs> uh, or just reading it earlier. Uh, maybe, but good uh, good thinking. Uh, what do you think, though? Um, I don't have the kid's name in front of me, unfortunately, that plays little Herschel. What do you think, though, Jason? Like, yes, I think he's good, but I also don't think he's really been given that much to do yet. And his scenes with Negan were mostly just sitting there. Yeah, he had to say a few lines and hold a gun. And I guess just sitting there is acting too. You know, I certainly don't want to take anything away from it. But have we really seen him shine yet? I I hope it's still to come. I hope it's still to come too. I don't think we've seen him really shine. I, I really enjoyed this, uh, you know, this interaction, but uh, I hope there's more. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping to uh, for as well. I mean, uh, first rate stink eye, as Ellie put it, is amazing. You know, if you can deliver first rate stink eye, you're on the path to greatness. Uh, yeah. But I do hope there's more. Stink eye is a is a lost art, in my opinion. Right. Not a lot of people give uh, give really good stink eye. <laughs> no, but I mean, everyone should practice it. Mm -hmm. All right. Next is Angelica in Puerto Rico, which I don't know. This might be our first email from Puerto Rico. I, I yeah. There have been a lot of emails over the years, so I definitely don't know for sure. But well, I, we have people from the internet that could have been from. Puerto Rico. So, this is the first explicit Puerto Rico email. I so many people from the internet. I mean, that's great. That's amazing. But yeah, I I don't know. This I don't recall ever saying from Puerto Rico before. So I don't know. But anyways, Angelica writes, I've been wondering what is going to happen to the kids. I doubt Judith will appear in the Carol and Daryl happy hour. And what about Herschel? Will Negan be his new daddy? I don't think so. Anyway, I'm so excited to see how everything will wrap up. Yeah, so, no, we got some we got some kids to deal with. We do. Not only those two, uh, we've got Gracie, you know, who's Aaron's kid, um, and oh my God, the, the little Adam, who handsome Al Alden was watching over, but who is now in the hands of somebody else who we know, but I can't remember at this moment. So, right, there are some kids, and there's plenty of kids at the Commonwealth. Uh, I guess we don't care as much about them because they're corrupt Commonwealth kids. Yeah, who gives a shit about them? Yeah, yeah, who does? Absolutely. But we do have some kids to deal with. Uh, and oh, I don't want to say it. I was going to say something spoilery about the comic, but uh, we actually have some comic type spoilers coming up shortly. So maybe I'll do it then. But um, there are kids in the comic too. <laughs> I'll just say that, I guess. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or you know, younger people anyways. But... I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with these kids. Maybe they're just going to live happily ever after. Well, yeah. I mean, they're not going to murder a bunch of kids just for the end of the show. I guess not. It would be surprising, though. And horrible. And horrible. That's right. 
All right, next we have a call from Elliot in Britain. Hello, Chris. Hi, Jason. Um, I've got a bit of a take today. Uh, my first time calling in. But I just wanted to say that it feels like with The Walking Dead, they seem to be adding a lot more arc to the side sort of thing, where a lot of them don't really amount to much. It's like, um, for instance, you know, the Connie episode in the house with Virgil. I really enjoyed that episode. It was phenomenal, you know, with the whole the new sort of way of the, the new audio mixing with Connie, of course, being deaf and seeing from her perspective. But I just feel like those people in the house could have sort of been more than just they were, you know, just in the house and then they died. And there was nothing more said about that. I just feel like they seem to be kind of getting in over their heads, creating whole new storylines that don't really feed off into much, like in terms of the overarching storyline. I'm just wondering if you guys feel the same, because I remember, you know, when Rick was a part of the show back in, you know, season five, he had Terminus and that came and that went, but that was all, the, you know, it was a whole separate thing. There was no small little pieces attached to it. That didn't really mean much. If you, you know, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, so I just wonder if you guys feel the same. Um, I love the podcast. Thanks for making it. Keep up the good work. Uh, catch you later. Awesome. Thanks, Elliot. So what he's getting at is that it, it he's saying it feels like there are little bits here and there that don't really fit into the ongoing overall storyline that they're telling, like the the house with those feral people in it that uh, <laughs> yeah. they were stuck in. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that was just the thing that happened. Right. But, and I, and I get where Elliot's coming from because I've experienced the same thing a little bit, even right now. And I think I said that with the riverbend people, I'm sort of like, why are we here at riverbend? What are we, what are we doing here? How does this fit into the greater storyline? But then I realized what is the greater storyline? I don't, you know, I, it's hard for me to say exactly. It, it feels like it should be our community integrating with and or fighting against the Commonwealth. And maybe that is it. But at the same time, I don't know, you know, I, and I don't know how all these little pieces do fit together. So I think it's us. It's not the show. And, and, and the reason I say that is because something feels different now that we know it's ending at least for me, because, and I feel like we should be wrapping things up, resolving loose ends, mysteries, but they're, they keep just adding more in a way. So I don't know. It's a weird situation to be in. I'm trying to figure it out. And I think that's what Elliot was getting at a little bit in his call. It does seem a little odd that, uh, you know, I understand like we've got a setting now we've got a setting, we have characters uh, we have all the information we need to kickstart a fucking plot. And I don't know where the plot is yet, right? We don't have, uh, we have, I'm not even sure we've really encountered an inciting incident. Like we have, uh, we have the Commonwealth. We have the integration with the Commonwealth. We have Maggie's group, uh, you know, Maggie saying, no, I don't want to go with you. And now we have uh, Maggie and Negan together kind of fighting against the Commonwealth. Uh, so we have lots of little pieces moving around and stuff, but I, we, I, we don't have a big kick you in the face. This is what's going on, uh, situation. Right. And if, if that is supposed to be the corruption of the Commonwealth, if, if that's what the sort of, you know, the big antagonist is the fact that the Commonwealth is so corrupt, that's what they're showing us. Yeah. Uh, and and I guess it takes a while, and it's important to really spell that out. 
Uh, but it's, it's definitely different, you know, than it ever has been before. Yes, we've got Pamela, we've got Lance, we've got Sebastian, all people that in some cases we have a really good idea are sort of quote unquote evil, but not all necessarily. Like, I don't think we really know if Pamela has any idea what's going on deeper in the heart of, of the Commonwealth. Cause remember when, um, at the the big Halloween gala or the big ball and they unveiled that painting and then what's his name jumped up and, and sort of exposed them. Do you remember yeah. her line to Lance? Like, uh, is he, he yells out, there's thousands more like me. And she, she goes, is there really like, she didn't know. Right. So I don't know that Pamela really has any idea what's going on. Um, so you can't count her as the figurehead of the, this bad group. And it's the first time where we've had, People like that, I think, you know, with Woodbury, the governor, clearly the figurehead bad guy, Negan with the saviors, Alpha with the whisperers, um, and so on. And here we've got characters in power who may not have any idea what's going on. And we've got multiple other people like Sebastian and Lance who have an idea of what's going on, but may or may not even be working sort of within that, within and those Mercer, lines. Yeah. Yeah. Mercer. I'm... Um, sort of confused about what he's doing at all anymore. So, okay. We've got a lot going on here and I think we've set enough of the foundational pieces in order to kick off the main plot line for the wrap up of the series. Yeah. So let's fucking get to it. Yeah. And it, the more I think about it, I think this middle block of this season is what is doing that. They're using these eight episodes to really set it all up and, lay the groundwork for us and be like, here is the situation, everybody. Here's the deal with the Commonwealth. Maybe in the next two episodes, it will become much clearer to the audience exactly what Hornsby's doing. And I don't think Sebastian is as important in that way, but I do think he'll play a big role in the final eight episodes. Um, but maybe they're just setting it all up here and really it's going to kick in in the final eight next fall. Yep, yep, yep. You know, and for now it just feels weird because we know it's ending and we want things to feel like it's ending, but so far it doesn't really feel like it's ending. <laughs> I think that's maybe the best way I can put it. Yeah. Let's get on, on with it. Let's go. Let's hurry up and finish already. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to, you know, let's, let's go. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Uh, okay. So next up. We've got a couple of calls um, from Scott and Paul, and both of these calls reference the spinoff shows in full detail, I would say. Not that we haven't actually talked about most of this stuff at some point on the podcast before, but I have tried to be a little bit careful with too much information on the spinoff shows. However, we're going to listen to this call from Scott and then one from Paul. And they both kind of talk about them a little bit. So fair warning, if you don't want to hear about it, uh, move on. Bye. But I don't know. I think most people kind of know what's going on with the spinoffs at this point, especially if they listen to us. So let's start with Scott. 
Hey guys, it's Scott from Kingston. Just some quick feedback on a couple things. Um, so also, I just wanted to talk about the Negan spinoff stuff, where the, and what you guys were talking about. And I couldn't agree more. Like it is just ruining the show, and it's really frustrating. And the most frustrating thing about it is. If they would have just told us, hey, we're coming out with a spinoff, it's going to be in Manhattan, and it's going to feature two of your favorite characters, I would have been all in. Like, I don't need <laughs> to know which two characters, you know? And then I remember back a while ago when they announced the Daryl and Carol spinoff, you know, they had so many... That was when Carol was, like, possibly going over the cliff, and, like... You know, that was such a dramatic moment that was also ruined by these announcements. Like, we don't need to know what characters are in these spinoffs. Just tell us that, you know, some of our favorite characters are going to be in it, and that's enough. Especially when it's set in Manhattan. That's all I need. Um, the only other thing I wanted to just quickly mention is I'm so glad that you guys talked about, or especially, like, that Jason talked about how they closed the door in that room. That drove me nuts. Like, you've done all this work to get this door open, and then you know that if the power goes out, it won't open, and you let it close? Come on. That's ridiculous. Anyway, other than that, I did actually enjoy the episode. But, I, you know, with the Negan stuff, with the gun, and, you know, knowing that he wasn't going to get shot, and then the door thing, those two things drove me nuts. But overall, good episode. All right. Thanks, guys. No, thank you, Scott. So quickly on closing the door, he agrees with you on that one. Yeah. It seems kind of silly. Yeah, that was dumb. You know, don't, yeah. The panic room is designed badly. Uh, they tried to get the door to open and then they just go in and close the door. It's like, no, stupid. Yeah, totally. What do you think about the idea of, though, of AMC announcing spinoff shows and maybe some vague details, but not telling us what is going to be involved, who, what characters will be involved. You know, what's the point of telling, uh, you know, giving details that would, uh, that would ruin the, the current show. It's just like, yeah, we're doing a spinoff show or, you know, new show taking place in New York. Some of your favorite characters. Fine. Or just, you know, new spinoff show. I mean, I, I get, I totally understand that they want to strike while the iron is hot, right? They want to announce these things while people are paying attention. Because if they waited until post, you know, Walking Dead series finale and announced the spinoff show, people aren't going to be paying attention the same way that they are right now. And they're not going to get the number of, you know, clicks and impressions on that news as they would when they announce it now. And that's probably why it's so tempting to say, oh, it's Negan and Maggie too, you know, two of your favorite characters. Tune in for this coming next year. It's going to be amazing. But I agree. I'm with Scott. And maybe we're unique in this way, but if they just said two favorite characters, Roman Manhattan in the zombie apocalypse, and who knows, maybe they could even fire out some additional information without saying who they are. You never know, just some setting or, or not really plot, but you know what I mean? Like something, some little teaser or something. I'd be in, I'd be on board for that. Yeah. Would the average it, viewer? I don't know, but, but I would. Well, it's a, it also depends on who you're marketing to, right? Yeah. If you're marketing to the people that are uh, steadfast walking dead uh, fans, it doesn't matter what you say. You just say spinoff show takes place in New York. You know, they're going to be in. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like we're not going to watch the show. Uh, you know, if they're trying to market to people that don't watch The Walking Dead, good fucking luck. Because 
you know, really that would be difficult to do. It's like, well, okay, we're going to announce Maggie and Negan. Is that going to get people on board that didn't watch the, that don't watch The Walking Dead? No, it is not. I don't think so. Because who are they? Yeah. So, you know, uh, Walking Dead, new Walking Dead series starring Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Maybe. Yeah. You know, so that, that's the only maybe I can think of is, uh, you know, use the name of, or, you know, bring somebody else in, you know, a new Walking Dead uh, series take, taking place in Manhattan starring Mark Hamill. Like, <laughs> holy shit. Right? Who wouldn't watch that? <laughs> yeah. Who wouldn't watch that? Sure. I mean, Mark Hamill in fucking Walking Dead, uh, you know, that, that, that's a really good idea. I think they should do that. Uh, I'd I mean, watch that. There's, I would watch it for sure. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, it's not really any different for us when you say starring JDM because we know who he is, but that would get the uninitiated or the, the non-fans maybe into it a little bit. Yeah. Or on the other hand, are all of JDM's fans already watching this because they're his fans? I don't know. Not really because I talked to my mom. And she's a huge uh, JDM fan and she watched The Walking Dead and she hasn't watched in a couple of years now. Uh, but, uh, you know, I told her about the spinoff show and she's like, well, will he smile? Because I like it when he smiles. He doesn't really <laughs> smile in this show. So um, I'm, I don't know, maybe if he smiles, my mom would be on board. All right. So that's what they do right on the poster. Jeffrey Dean Morgan smiles in The Walking Dead Takes Manhattan. <laughs> That's right. Right? <laughs> yeah. That would get her. That's pretty fun. All right. Uh, I know I've confused things here now, Jason, but I'm just going to say the next call is all is not also from Paul, but it's from Paul. Y'all. Guys, it's Paul and Sligo. How are you? I'm back at long last. Wow. That was some episode, I can tell you. Loving the new Negan. Caring, sharing Negan. Hey, kid. You know, you think about it. Help your mom rebuild rebuild her place. And when you grow up, come and see me. And we'll sort it out. You gotta love it. You absolutely gotta love it. I thought he was gonna give him back the gun, now that everyone's okay, and say, now kid, make your choice. And then Herschel blows his head off. What a way to go out it would have been. And how good it would have been if we didn't know that Negan survives. Because he's in a spin-off show with Maggie. What is the point in doing something like that? Because it took the entire tension away from the first confrontation with Herschel, when Herschel had the gun in his hand. But we knew that Negan lives. And because we knew that Negan lives, you're just sitting there going, it's not going to happen, is it? Negan is going to talk him around. Really? Yeah, but I'm loving the show. And how badass is Leah? Slitting that trooper's throat. Daryl, you should have killed her. You should have finished her off. And he let her go. That's going to come back and bite him right on the ass. Oh, no, it's not, is it? Because he's in a spin-off show with Carol. Oh, spin-offs, you're wrecking my head. The only good news is that I guess Chris and Jason will be in a spin-off show talking about spin-off shows. And maybe I'll call up from here in Sligo on the northwest coast of Ireland in a spin-off talking about spin-off feedback. It's going to be so much fun. Us all just spinning together. 
See you guys. Thanks for the fantastic podcast. Thanks for the fantastic call, Paul. We're going to be spinning together. Yep. Spin off. Uh, let's spin off the spin off so we can spin off our spin off. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, Jason, we need to start a Walking Dead podcast spin off network, Walking Dead spin off podcast network, right? And have yep. all the, a show, a show about all the shows and then a general This Week in the Walking Dead universe, things like that. That's so, a lot of content. So you get right on that, would you? Me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to need doesn't an seem realistic. I'm going to need an intern or something or a Yeah. I don't know. Uh anyways, uh yeah, so just takes the tension right out of it sometimes cuz Negan lives and I never even really thought about it with Daryl. We I feel like we've known about that one for so long that I just sort of have resigned myself to the fact that Daryl makes it to the end. But he's right. Like there's Leah. She's back at the end of this episode and she looks like she's not happy. And is that going to bite Daryl in the ass? I mean, maybe, but he's probably not going to die from it. So yeah, not not in a bad way. Yeah, maybe in a good way. Maybe in a good way. Yeah, well, could happen. Or a somewhat neutral way. Who knows? Well, it's hard to be neutral when someone's biting your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> Either... I don't know how I feel about that. I, they feel kind of whatever. Yeah. It's like, no, you either feel good or bad. I suppose. Yeah, it's a good point. Very, very good point. All right, you want to you wanna introduce the last caller here? Sure, it's a call from Leslie. And I would like to point out that Leslie refers to some pretty significant events that take place in the final issues of the Walking Dead comic and kind of wonders how they might play out in the TV show. So uh, one more spoiler warning here for the Walking Dead comic. If you haven't read it or you're thinking about it or, you know, maybe you're waiting until after the show finishes and then going to go back and read the comics, I don't know. But um, she mentions it here, so... This is a spoiler for me. Please be warned. Because I have not read the comics. Uh, yeah, up to that point. So um, sorry about that, Jason, but it's part, part of the job here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. I'm going to take one for the team for sure. All right. So here's Leslie with her thoughts. Hello, my name is Leslie, and I'm calling from the good old state of Georgia down here at Fort Stewart Military Post. Uh, I'm calling about uh, something I read. I don't know if this is a... Spoiler alert, but it's something I read online where apparently in the comics, Rick has the children, uh, but now that Daryl has the children, because uh, in this episode, uh, they were referred to as his children, but everybody knows in the comics that Rick is, is killed by someone in the Commonwealth. So I'm thinking they are setting up Daryl to be killed by somebody in the Commonwealth, even though Daryl is supposed to have a spinoff. Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to happen if if the show is going by the comics. Uh, like I said, it could be a spoiler alert if this do happen. I'm not for sure, but this is just something I read. Um, I love your podcast. Love The Walking Dead. Can't get enough of it. I'm... I'm in for any type of spinoff that they have for The Walking Dead. So I'm in it. Whatever they do, I'm watching it. So, um, But I do just want to thank you. When I watch the show, I come here and listen because I like uh, your take on the show because some things 
I don't look at it the same way. I look at it uh, a different way. But then when I listen to your podcast, I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't see it that way. So I like listening to y'all. So, But I just want to thank y'all for the podcast. And uh, y'all have a great day. You too. Thanks, Leslie. Uh, yeah, so interesting thought there. And it's it's kind of fun to speculate on this for those of us that have read the comics. And sorry, Jason, that you haven't. But you know, certain things take place in the comic that yep. would be impossible to take place on the show right now. Lots of stuff, actually. Yeah, they they won't be able to kill off uh, Daryl. Like it's not gonna it's not gonna happen. No, like, we know I, that it's not gonna happen. But you know, they they adapt things sometimes, right? And characters that are no longer alive on the show that were alive in the comic at this point may take on one of those storylines, right? And I sometimes sit around thinking, well, I wonder if that's going to happen. I mean, is what happens to Rick in the comic going to happen to somebody else on the TV show? Or for crying out loud, does Andy Lincoln come back and film a few episodes and what happens in the comic to Rick happens to Rick in the TV show? <laughs> Who knows, right? Not likely. Eugene, I think Eugene would take on that part. I don't know what happens to Rick exactly, but I think Eugene would fit the bill. Uh, yeah, I could. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's Eugene and Rick are so different. It's hard to see that happening, but. Well, I don't know what happens, right? Yeah. I have no idea. No, exactly. Um, There are other, I mean, there are other characters on the show that I think would be more likely than Eugene in some ways, but in other ways, I'm like, no, no, you can't do that with what we know about the character in the show that's still living. So it's tough. It's fun to speculate on. Um. But, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to be Daryl, I'm afraid, just because he has the kids now. Uh, don't think it's going to be him. He's going to move on with Carol. They're going to go do their own thing. Michonne? We, well, could she's- it, Could it happen to Michonne? She's got to come back first, if that's the case, you know? Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. I don't, could. I suppose it could, yeah. In fact, I would believe that sooner than Eugene, to be honest with you. Okay. I was going to say, don't forget, we have our, our wager of the last episode of the main show featuring Daryl and Carol, Jason. And just to remind everyone, I predicted episode 21 and you predicted episode 24, the last well, one. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll find out. <laughs> I don't understand why it's a wager because I'm obviously going to win. Well, right? that's, that's... I, I can't be wrong about this. Well, I mean, it's a friendly wager. It's a friendly uh, topic of discussion. I don't know. All right. We will find out. Well, uh, what are we wagering? Uh, um, Each other's houses. <laughs> I win, I get your house. I don't want yeah, your house. I win, I get your house. Let's let's not wager that. Uh, I don't know. Nothing. I'd let you live there. I'd, I'd, I'd you know, I'd probably just let you uh, remain there as is. But I know, I would know in my heart that it's my house. That it's your house. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's nice of you. <laughs> and that was a question <laughs> all right thank you everyone for writing and calling in that was fantastic always have a great time doing these feedback uh episodes because like leslie said you know it's fun to hear other people's opinions takes clarifications all that kind of stuff and corrections I, corrections yeah i always get something out of it and it expands my understanding of the show yeah and my view of the universe. So excellent stuff, everyone. Thank you so much. All right. Just before we end up, 
the Patreon prize of Palooza will be continuing on the next podcast when we recap episode 15. And I wanted to let everyone know that the next prize coming up, just so you can prepare yourself or govern yourself accordingly, is a Negan Funko Pop, one of those. And it's kind of a cool one. It's black and white Negan with blood splatter on him, which uh. is pretty fun. So in the episode where Negan returned, you know, had I known, maybe I would have organized the prize different prizes differently, but I'm sure he'll be in next week too. And maybe he'll even be blood splattered. Probably not black and white though. Yeah, very few people are black and white. Yeah, that's right. Uh, also a pack of, uh, another pack of Walking Dead related stickers these ones featuring each of the communities like Alexandria and Hilltop and stuff like that. So uh, that is the prize for the next episode. If you want to get in on that action, that Patreon prize of Palooza action, go to patreon.com slash the talking dead, become one of our patrons. And uh, as long as you're a patron in good standing, you will be in the weekly draws as we go through the rest of this season for the prizes. Super. Thank you so much to everyone who does that and just everyone who listens and supports us. It is really fantastic. We super appreciate it. All right. That will do it for this podcast. Um, I do want to tell you what the next episode of the show is called, but I didn't write it down. So I'm really quickly going to look it up and it's called trust. Season 11, episode 15 is called Trust, and that's a reminder to do title reads if you would like. Is it trust as in I trust you, or is it trust as in you have been trust, as in, uh, you know, like a trust, but past tense? Well, I mean, I think uh, since those two words are spelled the same. It's well, no, trust is T-R-U-S-T, but trust would be T-R-U-S-S-E-D. Oh, that kind of trust. Okay, uh, then it's T-R-U-S-T. Ah, well, all right then. All right. You learn something new every day. Uh, I, for some reason, I stopped listening to you, and I was thinking the yeah, difference yeah, it between- it's fine. I know, trust, as in I trust you, or um, trust, like the uh, financial uh, definition oh, of yeah, it. Oh, like, yeah, Money like kept trust. In yeah. trust, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, you went trust. <laughs> I went somewhere else, yeah. Somewhere else. Anyways. Yeah. Out of all the irrelevant things I could have said, that's the one I, I went with. Fair enough. Fair enough. Good for you. Uh, Trust is the episode title. Do a title read, record it, send it in to us, and I will play those on the recap show next Monday. You can trust us. You certainly can. Or at least Chris. Eh, you know, I think you're an old, reasonably trustworthy guy. Well, yeah, but I mean, you're going to play the title reads. I'm not going to do it. So you get it, you know. You can trust you to do it. If you trust me to do it, then you you might be trust. You might be uh, disappointed. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, you may ask how you can get those title reads to us. And the best thing to do is get the audio file and email it to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. But you can also simply go to the website, click on send voicemail at the top and record it that way. Or other thoughts and comments if you have them so those audio files get right into me as well and people do title reads that way all the time so thank you to everyone who is going to contact us that was awkward anyways you can also find us on twitter at talking dead 
I love the people who are going to contact us. Yeah, they're the best. They're the best, those people. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.